Welcome back to another episode of Inspired Artist Podcast. In this episode, I'm speaking with Christy Levy. Um, this episode was interesting in its content, of course, because Christy is a channel and psychic medium. Um, she can find lost objects. She's really cool to chat with. She has such cool uh, perspective on life and um, I just enjoy talking to her in general, but she lost connection during our chat. So we had to switch to telephone. So you'll see my face as I'm listening to her on the phone. Um, you can still hear her, but you won't be able to see her face while she's talking. That's just in the last uh, few minutes for her to finish a story. But most of it was, you know, what we're used to here. So if you're listening to audio only, um, you'll just be able to hear that it sounds a little telephony, but um, nothing will have changed substantially for you. All right. So before we get into the podcast, please, 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 if you're listening to this, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. The really cool thing about this is that you don't have to really do anything for it. If you have an Apple ID, you're already logged in, you just click on the review thing. You have to scroll down past the episodes and kind of in the middle of our uh, podcast page is a way to write a review and to also review it. We really appreciate that because it helps other people find it. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please like the video, subscribe, leave a comment. Let me know what you thought about this episode or others. And I look forward to hearing from you. All right. Well, let's get into the episode. Here we go. I probably won't edit it though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're oh. like, oh my God, don't put that down. And then oh, no, Gary no. will be like, well, that was the best part. So anyway, I, like everybody does, I went through this whole worthy and it's, you just can't, it's just something you can't prove. You kind of have to take their word for it, right? That you're yeah. unique, but I was doing some automatic writing. And as I was writing, just, it started to switch to the third person, which I love when it does. And I flipped the page, I have a notebook in my right now, flip the page over and, and just wrote, you are worthless, huge on this page. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's my inner self writing to me. And I kind of freaked me out. Yeah. What? And I went through some conversations with a couple friends. I talked to Gary and got sort of getting this idea that day that wasn't a limiting belief at all. So <clears throat> I got, Gary had to hang up with me to do Joshua Live. So I got on Joshua Live and I asked the first question and it was that, <clears throat> I said, I, I get the feeling it's not a limiting belief, but can you walk me through it? And Joshua took me through this whole iteration on worthless and worth everything. Hmm. And if you haven't heard that podcast, no, I haven't actually that, then I know the title of it. And I know about what it was. It was like October of 21. Okay. Once I heard that from Joshua and I went through that thing, it let me off the hook so much. Like I started saying, okay, wait, I'm worthless, worth everything. I'm funny and boring, lazy and driven right? I'm everything. So then I stopped beating myself up for having a day. I just wanted to be lazy or something. Mm -hmm. So, or being an overachiever and staying up till 3am working on a presentation that had to be perfect, right? I just let myself off the hook for everything. And 
it was a month later that all the the other stuff started happening exactly mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving. So mm-hmm. if you haven't heard that podcast, I'm going to, that's why I have my notebook out is just in case we come up with stuff that I need to do. I'm going to send that to you, listen to it. I think, I think it might hit you now, even yeah. if you hit and it just went right over you, you'll hear it. Wow. It's, it was it changed everything for me. That Yeah. That, yeah. For those of you who missed the beginning of our conversation, we were talking about the limiting belief. I am not valuable. That yeah. was just something that came up in a coaching session a couple weeks ago, I guess now. For yeah. me, just a really interesting one because I'm seeing like the playing out of that belief in so many different ways. But one of the things that I came to that I thought was sort of paralleling what you were just saying was like, um, this idea of like how we even, it's almost like you realize that you're asking yourself like too limited of a question. Like you're not, you know, like you're not even able, you're not going to be able to see this. It's like that thing of like being the vibration of the question rather than the answer, I guess. But I noticed this when people talk to me about spirituality all the, all the time where I'm like some, like someone was telling me about her experiences yesterday. And I'm like, what you think you want from this is not what you're asking me. <laughs> and, and it was so <laughs> difficult to communicate. Like there was no yeah. way to communicate this. Um, but what I, what, but it's like, you're, you're, va- you're not valuable. Well, the way that we attribute value is so bizarre. Right. You know, and- like, you're not making enough money. You're not, you know, like, well, I'm not an object. So I'm not valuable in the sense of an object. Right. You know? Yeah. Or, or, you know, um, I'm not valuable because I'm not worth your time. Well, maybe you don't think you're worth your time. You know, maybe you're not giving yourself any time. Why would you give me time? You know, like it, it's just so there's so many prisms that we're we're looking distorting everything through you know right i'm i'm not valuable if i gain 50 pounds Mm. right i'm not valuable if i get gray hair right i'm not valuable if i go bald Mm. i don't make enough money what whatever it is uh, yeah there's and that that's that has nothing to do with it those are external factors that are just distractions it's very challenging when you grow up with a value system that says to you, these things are important that, you know, just from the media and everyone else, not even necessarily your parents, but that's what's valuable. And if you're not perceiving and it's subjective, so you're not perceiving that you are, it's a challenge. It's very challenging to prove it. Oh no, I, I am valuable. Well, how, how, because by these measurements, I'm not. Right? Yeah. And then when you stake your claim on like, oh, well, I'm valuable because I mean, for you, it's like, cause I'm a fantastic medium. Cause I'm psychic. Cause I'm a good mother. Cause I'm, well, then when you lose that, like, what if you are not psychic tomorrow, you're not right. valuable anymore. Right. You know, that is a, that is such to me, one of the paradoxes of our life, right? This God paradox, almost if we think we're aspects of God, it's it it is that outside image. And that's something that white light all the time 
when someone sends me an email and I get a lot of wonderful emails every day. Thank you so much. Or I heard this video. You were great. Just, you know, just all these accolades from people and, you know, pats on the back and white light will let me read it and give me about 30 seconds. And then they'll say, okay, stop drinking your own Kool-Aid. <laughs> well, you're not that special, right? It just, no. And if you build your worth and what you think is interesting about you around either how you look, how much money you make, what you do for a living, you have a psychic gift or what the heck ever, you are in for a fall eventually. I just no matter what. And that's that paradox. If if God wants to come in totally powerful, knows everything, right? And wants to learn more or understand what God is, then what would God do? Probably come in as the opposite of that, right? The devil or what, you know what I mean? So, and that's, that's it. It's everything. So, and we have to be okay. I, I finally did with absolutely everything and not, it's taken a ton of time. I kind of forced myself, not forced myself, but to some extent to about a year and a half, well, a little longer than that, two years ago to just gain weight. Mm. I cut my hair off really short. And I just said, I'm not going to work out for a while. I started eating Oreos and gummy worms. <laughs> yeah. As you know what? I'm just not, cause I was really pretty rigid. I have to work out all the time. I have to be this size, I, you know, and I gained a lot of weight and kept my hair really short. And it was, a, it was a good practice for me hmm. to let that go. That is not who you are. And it is immaterial. It does not matter. Hmm. And to get okay, get comfortable talking to people, going to parties, going to the beach, doing stuff without that being what I hid behind. Hmm. Interesting. That is really interesting. <laughs> it was. That's yeah. a hard, I read something, this is so random, but it just made me think of it. I'm reading this. It's called the fires of lust. It's about medieval sex. It's, oh, wow. it's, it's really That's interesting. I know this is this type of thing. My wand gets me. Um, <laughs> No, but it, it's interesting. It, one of the things, but the thing that, that stuck out the most so far was that like the ideal body type at that time for a woman were very small breasts. And, okay. But that, that was, cause I'd never, it had never occurred to me that that would have ever been an ideal body type. I don't know no. why. I don't either. Yeah. Like I, I assume like, oh, people liked things way bigger back then. Me too. I thought women yeah. were a bit heavier back then. Like yeah. Really plump and maybe not medieval. Maybe that, was, maybe that <laughs> was like further, maybe that was like further into the future, <laughs> further into the past. I don't know. But it had to do with like the ideals of virginity, I guess, because maybe like a smaller. Oh, yeah. Like, you, okay, you hadn't had children or whatever. Yeah. yeah I don't, yeah. Or just they were okay. younger. I don't know. But I, I thought that was so interesting because that literally was something that never crossed my mind that people nope. thought and held as like a value system. I don't know. It was just anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I could go on all day about that. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. So, you know, and now I think we're kind of, we're, we're in kind of like a shift for body types. Um, 
Totally. I mean, not just like for women, but like for men wanting to be women, for women wanting to be men. I mean, just we're in this whole like flux right now. Yeah. The, well, the lines are getting blurred. Your children are younger than mine, but my daughter's 22. And I have noticed since really high school when their personalities really developed and you could see the interaction and she had the boys and the girls and the groups of friends. And when I was in high school, there was definitely an ideal. It was that stick figure, basically. I, you know, I was in the 80s and, uh, you know, skinny, skinny, skinny. And I noticed the kids now are just so much more accepting. Her friends were great. The girls that were heavy and the girls that were heavy are wearing crop tops and got muffin top. I mean, that would never have happened at my high school. And the guy that she's with just is, thinks she's beautiful. And they, they just give each other a lot of support and a lot of space. And they don't seem to focus on as much of that external thing that she had friends that were homosexual. She had friends that were really heavy friends that were, you know, she's the workout girl, everybody banned kids and they were just all together and they didn't seem to put too much on that external thing like we did. And I'm not sure why, and I guess I would ask you, do you think that is an ascension thing? A thing where as a whole, humanity is just moving up vibrationally closer to more of a love-based way of operating than say a separation or head-based? Would that be why? I feel like it has to be. For for me, it seems kind of like a, a tipping of scales, right? Like when you've had one norm for such a long time and then you go to the other one. I mean, I think somewhere maybe in the middle is like, you know, as opposed to like, cause I would imagine for some people it's like, well, let me see how far I can push my weight and still be loved, you know, in either direction. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, You're probably exactly right. Because I don't think that necessarily everybody necessarily feels comfortable with their bodies, but when we're pushing the scales like this and we're like allowing people to be all different sorts of ways, that is eventually what's going to happen. Right. Right. You're just, we're just going to accept everybody. Right. Just accept everyone. And it doesn't say anything about you. Right. My father was a wonderful guy. He passed away about 10 years ago, 12 years ago. He was an attorney, football player, a jazz musician. He was about 5'10 and 350 pounds. It's extraordinarily overweight. And I can remember as a kid walking around with him and people like pointing at him and it, oh, I felt so bad Uh for him. Right. And, you know, he didn't eat well and he didn't exercise, right? (laughs) You're not kidding me. But it didn't really say anything about him. And when you are very close with someone who has some sort of issue like that, that outwardly is just obvious to everyone, right? Any issue you might have is very, is not easy to see. Me either. I look normal, average Mm. person, right? No, I don't wear it out Mm. there. But my dad, someone that has a weight issue or something else, they wear it. It's it's just right mm-hmm. out there, right? The thing that he did. Um, and it was, you know, it was definitely he was like like me, he wanted to hide, but he ate his feelings a lot. He didn't mm-hmm. express them, you know. So if he was bummed out, he'd go eat a Twinkie. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. 
Mm-hmm. That makes me, that makes you sort of think about like, for me, it hasn't been weight so much, but like acne, you know, wearing things out. I can't believe you were sitting, you're getting to say that because I was sitting here and about five minutes ago, wanted to say, you have the prettiest skin I've ever seen. So it's just, it's funny. Really? Yeah. Oh, you just really brought acne. Funny. Like, you're kidding me. You no. look like a supermodel and you have no makeup on. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, that's not my perception of myself. That's funny. Right? Yeah, well, you said it at Joshua Retreat and talked about your that's skin. Right. And that's that was right. probably the funniest interaction I've ever heard with Joshua. <laughs> anyway, sorry. That's right. That's a great one. No, no, there wasn't much to it. But I just, I remember going like in, in college, it became really bad. And I remember kids sometimes saying things to their parents about how scary I looked or like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and um so I can relate to feeling like you know like uh my appearance is upsetting other you know to people <laughs> right. yeah disturbing yeah. people yeah. yeah that's a it is it's a weird that's a really weird thing but yeah just learning that that has nothing to do with your value and being able to teach in our case our kids or try to to help them have a little bit of an understanding of that, that it's not about your grades or how smart you are, right? How good you are at sports. Right. Like how many girlfriends you have, whether you're gay or you're, you know, it's not about that. Um, It isn't even about how you act. White Light said something to me the other day. I don't know that I can quote it exactly, but it was something like this. What you radiate into the world or the love you radiate into the world has nothing to do with what you do. It has everything to do with the love with which you do what you do. So mm-hmm. the love that you put into it is what radiates love into the world. It has nothing to do with whether or not you're painting a picture alone or in your case, making music alone in your studio, right? Whatever it is, or you're working at a soup kitchen or your mother Teresa and your, you know, Gandhi changing the world, there's no difference in the amount of love that radiates from that out into the planet. It, what matters is how much love you are doing, what you're doing, what hmm. you know, going into that. Hmm. And I sat with that for a while. I thought that was interesting. That would be something to want to say to a kid. I think hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, if you are helping people building houses for Habitat for Humanity, or you are a gymnast training to go to the Olympics, mm-hmm. one seems selfish, one seems selfless, but they are the same if there is an equal amount of love being put into it. Hmm. That's kind of cool. So I think the thing in in my mind, and maybe people listening to this have similar experience maybe even you do is like okay I feel that truth I totally get that but then my mind wants to go to like yes but the love that I put into something doesn't return doesn't give me back something that tangibly looks like it has value to anyone else so how do how do you feel that sense of like yes the love that I'm putting into this is what fulfills me right and it's also something that's sort of hard to communicate to somebody else when you're like, what, what would you say to that? Right. No, I, no, I, I get that. And as you, if you're coming from a certain perspective where 
you are still in that spot that you feel that something has to come back to you or even can, right? Mm. Um, I know that I cannot feel someone else's love for me. We perceive we can, but we can't. If you really think about that, I know, I believe my daughter loves me. She says, I love you. She does lovely things for me, right? It's coffee for me when she knows I'm tired in the morning and has it there for me when I wake up. <clears throat> but I can't feel it. The only thing I can feel is the love that I have for her. And I believe there's a path of understanding what abundance is, which is having what you need to do, what you need to do when you need to do it. And understanding that abundance isn't just money, but health and these other things in your life. Once you get that concept while you're working, trading your time for money or you're running this business, whatever it is you're doing to see value come back to you or see people uh, say, aren't you smart? Aren't you wonderful? I mean, I did a lot of that, right? <laughs> you know, was, I had to make a lot of money. So mm. my family would think I was great or that, you know, my friends would say, wow, you're doing so well um, or close big deals so that at the time my boss would say how great I was. But once I got to this point of, I don't, I know that I don't need that. It It doesn't mean I don't enjoy it, but I don't need it. And in fact, I really don't know. My boss could be saying that, but turn around and think, yeah, that girl's a bitch, right? I mean, I, you know, I don't know. And you never do. So I think what I, after getting someone there, it's you, you must understand your abundance and understand that you can't get anything from outside of you because it's just a projection of you. You start to shift your perspective and it happens incrementally, I think. I start to see that I change my perspective on a friend or my job, whatever it happens to be, and shifts start to happen. And I, I see evidence of my shift of the actual work I've put in on limiting beliefs and on writing and meditating. And little by little, then I understand if I'm doing something and I'm pouring love into it and it's not returning accolades or money or something like that back to me that that really has nothing to do with it because it doesn't have to come through that avenue hmm. my financial abundance can come from anywhere it it doesn't have to come from what i'm doing we tie that together mm -hmm. and so in the case in my case we i stopped i turned down interior de design projects and lost my other career because of COVID and just to do this work little by little. And I wanted to do it and I was getting busier. I was getting booked up doing readings, but it wasn't, or it wasn't even close to what my income was before. Even if I did eight readings a day, which I could not do. Yeah. I was too exhausted. I can only do, you know, three a week, maybe. Mm -hmm. And but I was getting booked up and, and I just kept saying no to things and trusting that, you know what, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And I'm doing it full time now. I'm living on less than half of the income I had in my former life. But I understand what that is. There are some beliefs that I have around it there. I'm still shaking some of that. 
I get a lot of feedback in the form of like new, you know, friendships getting closer with you and that kind of stuff that I can't get any other way. I've, it just, this is it. So I would say to them, look at what you are getting out of it. You might be missing something. You could be missing something that's showing you how valuable what you're doing is. Uh, pay attention to how you feel and then keep your head on a swivel because your abundance, those sorts of things, the love, the adoration, the money can be coming from other avenues because the universe can do that. It doesn't need to, because you give it out, flow it right back through that stream. So mm. does that make sense? Yeah. 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 That's yeah. what I would say. It's a long path to get to it though. I yeah. Think. There's yeah. some basic understanding somebody has to have before you could really answer that question, I think. Yeah. Well, that's something I'm working on right now. I think that is, I, I've actually, I've sort of narrowed it down to like this feeling, like I can actually feel the feeling of I am not valuable, like in my body where it exists. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually, oh, this is really trippy. I realized that like my family constellation growing up, I have completely replicated it on a large scale, like the characters, you know, so like the you are not valuable this is what's valuable is like was all playing in my family dynamic you know that um so yeah I'm I'm really um I really appreciate that insight because it's really helping me see things more clearly yeah. oh wow that's that is another thing about this doing this work that one actually doing it. So many people say, oh, well, I do this in my head or whatever. Oh, I, I don't have time to meditate. Look, if you're not going to put a pen to paper and do this stuff, that's why I loved the boot camps, the first really spiritual course I'd ever seen that actually had an experience of writing, answering questions and writing it. But if you're to do the meditation and do that stuff, you know, what you're doing, and then you get coaching, you do another class, you stick with it. And, and you follow this stuff all the way through, it starts to happen like that. There's, there's stuff that is so hidden from you and we can't see ourselves. You look in a mirror, but the mirrors we have are each other. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so We're looking in a mirror all day long. <laughs> <clears throat> we're not yeah. seeing it. Yeah. But you don't see it because it's not reflected back the way that people think. And that comes up with every new person just about that I either coach or just has have a new, you know, somebody doing the course that's brand new. That's a question. Well, he's a mirror for me or she's a mirror. So since I think she's really stuck up, I really need to look and see where I'm stuck up. Hmm. That's not it. Mm -hmm. That's why it's tricky for everyone. Yeah. Because it isn't that. It's right. what it triggers in you. Then you have to dig and find out what you, you know, what you believe in and it'll stop. But that's, that's an interesting thing. You just have to do it. it there's not a magic bullet. Yeah. I really do that with my readings too. Um, people will want a reading in lieu of coaching, even though they can spend several hours with me and it's the same, but they want a reading because that's passive. And they mm. can sit and I bring in loved ones or spirit guides and, and then they just want answers. Mm. And like after the reading, they're going to know everything and life's going to be different. Mm. And, 
I see it all the time and yeah. it doesn't work. And so why don't you want to do coaching? I just really, well, no, it's because that's work. That's yeah. what you're doing is work, but you're getting all this stuff just because you're doing it. That's, I don't know. That's, that's what happened to me. I did it and it shifted everything. And it yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. And it's often, you, you often resist it because like, I, so funny. So yesterday, Gary sent out the email about your foundations course. Yeah. Right? I mean, I got that. Yeah. And before I could even stop myself, I'm like, click, click pay. And I'm like, what the fuck did you just do Porter? You just committed yourself to two more weeks. Of two weeks. <laughs> did you even think about what else you had planned or like, you know, anything? And, and so, so like, I'm doing it this morning. I'm like, oh, okay, Jesus, I guess I'm doing this again. But um, I could just see how like resistant I was to this. And it was the same thing as like when I tried to quit the basic training and Gary was like, okay, what are we really talking about here? Are you reading two pages in the morning? Right. Can you do that? Yeah. yeah, that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, it seems like it, Crystal made an interesting observation. I was really glad she did yesterday. She said, it seems like everyone would think, and it would seem like, and she said, and I think you think so, that the boot camp was here and that you're getting um, backing up, going easier and easier and easier. And she said, so she had started doing the foundations yesterday. And she said, and she's proofread the whole thing. So she mm -hmm. <laughs> knows what's going on. But she said, what's happening is that for someone that may start it and go through the process, the way you guys have designed it, it's the more simple, whatever. And then the basic training is a little deeper and then the boot camp. But she said, for me going through this, I've been crying the whole time because what it's doing for me is I boot camp, then I did basic training and went deeper. And this is even deeper. And she said, I don't know how that's working. And that's because it's channeled. I, I don't either. I didn't know that, but that's the experience that she's having and that's the thing about you like click 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 I know why your inner self was just mindlessly making you click yeah because it's a whole nother way that this flows that this came out that I really think you're going to see stuff you've never seen before I don't know for sure I'm just doing it for the first time with you but I channeled it but I don't get it when I channel it I'm just right well, no. already in the, I think it was the second or third paragraph that I read, something came to me that was like, or the, I can't remember what it reads exactly, but it's like, um, there are things that you've explored in other lifetimes that you don't need to anymore. And I was like, oh, that made a lot of sense for me. Um, well, I'll just tell you. Okay. So you're the only person in my life that greets me and says, Hey, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> like literally that word is not used in my life. And oh I have, <laughs> and I have longed for that a lot because that's something that like my mother made such a big deal about my brother being all the time, but never said anything about the way I looked. So I was just assumed, okay, I'm the talented one. He's the attractive one. I went on through like my, and you know, I realized the whole acne thing was like a whole part of that. But, oh yeah. But I realized I was like, I, cause I, I sort of do, I sort of do more in this, like, okay, I'm a woman incarnation in this life, but I'm not a supermodel. And that seems to be like the, the thing to be if you're a woman. Right. Right. 
but it's such a stupid, I mean, it's such a stupid desire. I feel like, because I, I really wouldn't want that. Like I can, I can look anyway. So when I read that, I was like, I'm having trouble, like feeling, you know, valued for like the more subtle things that I do. If I were like overtly, like nobody could take their eyes off of me, I would have I mean, I can't even imagine limiting beliefs I would have about my value, you know, like, thank God that's not my experience. I've probably done that. You know, I probably exactly. don't need that. Anyway, that was just my, my whole process with that sentence that I'd never really registered before. That was kind of a cool moment. It, that it, well, it is. And yeah, well, you, you came in this time. It's, it's so funny that I guess everyone just sees things differently. If I'm describing you to someone, to me, you're like a prima ballerina. You're that, like, you're that girl, right? I can see you all beautiful in the little, you know, outfit, swan-like with the flowers. That's what you look like. And I would bet a million dollars if I've described you to five of my girlfriends. And then I said, and here she is. They'd go, oh, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, that's this, this whole look, but... It, you, it is a thing to be really sort of grateful for. And that's a perspective shift. Hmm. When you read that and you said, oh, okay, that's good. I don't need that. And it is a good thing because I know a couple of women who are my age now, and I'm a bit older than you, but they were stunning. Hmm. Stop a clock, quiet a room when they walked in stunning. Yeah. And that has ended to an extent right there. Right. I think they're beautiful, but they are, can now go to the counter at AutoZone where the guys used to trip all over themselves fighting to take care of her. And then they'd go out and they'd put the wipers on her car forward, do all this stuff. She's waiting there for 15 minutes. Nobody's paying any attention. Right. Right. And so two friends of mine, and it's a, a very intense time. And it's an intense conversation because they don't understand how to get anything done anymore. They don't know where they fit. They feel invisible and they really have no worth in the world because they're postmenopausal, their hair's graying, they've gained a little bit of weight, they have wrinkles, they can't, you know, look like, you know, go to the club in a miniskirt and halt stuff anymore. And they are lost to a large extent and trying to reinvent themselves at, you know, mid fifties, I would not want that. So yeah. there is that, that paradox again, right? You are beautiful. You are gorgeous enough, right? Is that, that's what I've always thought. Okay. My parents gave me decent enough looks <laughs> that I could do something with, but not so good looking that I didn't have to do anything. Hmm. And you know, that's the, <laughs> so glad now. <laughs> you were a model though, weren't you? Isn't that how yeah. Drew first, you're, you're, yeah. Yep. Yep. I did. Um, yeah, it was all, it was body stuff. It wasn't because I had this gorgeous like oh. face. It was, uh, it was all bathing, Budweiser. It was all bathing suits, lingerie, that stuff. I'm only five, five. So mm. yeah, it was that, that career, but yeah, that is, that is, he, <laughs> he had posters or one poster on his wall that once we got together, I had it in the original photograph in a frame. And he said, how did, what do 
you doing with that photo? I said, that's me. He said, oh my God, I had that on my wall. And then there was a billboard <laughs> blocks from his home where he grew up. That was me on the billboard for a couple of years for Valley Fitness. And he's, he said he used to drive by it. One day he looked at it and he said, I'm going to marry. That's like the girl I'm going to marry. Like, you know, it's going to be like that. Yeah. <laughs> it was me. So yeah, that crazy. That's so crazy. It's one of those weird synchronicities. We all have them. You pay attention. Pay attention. White light says unimaginable life. And I've got all these unimaginable stories. Wait till you read the foundations day. Yeah. Where it's the unimaginable day. But Crystal, again, she's kind of the Oracle. <laughs> she just <laughs> says something and drop the, drops the mic. But she said, you know, I was thinking about it in meditation. My life's always been unimaginable. And I'm just now recognizing it. Hmm. And I said, yeah, white light wrote that a couple of days ago. Nobody hmm. had seen it that to everyone, your life has always been unimaginable, but your perspective is so low that you can't see those things happening. You don't hmm. know that they're happening all the time. You start to raise your perspective. You start seeing them and then it compounds and there are stories nobody will believe. Never in a million years. Yeah. I wouldn't. Somebody told me that you are lying. <laughs> You're lying. But, but yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> there was, there was this exercise that, um, I don't know if it was Josh or if it was Gary, but, um, that, do you remember the, he just typed it in the, the boot camp Facebook page and was like, okay, your assignment is to write a letter to yourself from your inner self. I don't know if you remember that one. That was like, that was I, I was a lot, but I don't but remember. Anyway. I've done it, but. I ended up writing a song. I wrote a letter song to myself. And one of the lines in it is you've lived adventures unimaginable. And that was way before I think you guys started using that term. And I didn't even recognize it until I was recording it the other day. And I'm like, oh, that's so funny. You guys keep that's using great. that word. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the early things that White Light said to both Gary and I, when I, I can't even remember now, I'm sure it's on recording. But it was talking about living and, you know, things being unimaginable. And then the next day, it, they I was just, it was just me. And I said, oh, my God, the unimaginable life. And Gary said, that sounds cool. I said, that's our podcast. That's our, Ooh, that's our are book. You, that's are you, book. oh, you're going to, okay. Are you going to do a podcast? We, yeah, we have about 10 episodes in, kind of in the can and hmm. changing away. I think it was a lot of white light channeling for the first 30 minutes and then gary and i just talking about what was said that and they're pretty good they're fun but he came up with an idea a few weeks ago and he said let's change the unimaginable life to actual stories of our own and our friends and anybody who wants to come on and tell a story that's what and i keep he, telling he, him outrageous. well that may be it may have been from you I'm, I keep sure. telling, I'm like, Gary, I want to hear from you. I want to hear you talk about how you're living. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that may have been something that inspired him. So I agreed. So he said, are you comfortable? Cause we're gonna be telling some weird stuff. I know. I mean, because there's some weird stuff. Yeah, let's do it. Who cares? And then I think he wants to, it's his, and I don't know, to turn the one that we have in the can, the unimaginable life into a podcast that's just my name. And I'll do mm. some DM stuff and, you know, um, so readings or different things here and there throughout it uh, and see what happens, bring people on and read for them or whatever. Oh, cool. so, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah. So that's but yeah, we are. We've so we'll start that in a different way now. I'm excited. That sounds like fun. Yeah. You imagine coming on with Gary and I and you just spill it. Just tell us every unimaginable story you could think of. Woo woo. Who cares? Yeah. Right? Well, that's what what I was telling. Actually, I was speaking with Joe. He's the podcast before you, Joe Chrisoja. Oh, yeah. I love that. And I was telling him about the story of Gary when he lost Tucker and he'd yeah. never heard that story before. And uh, to me, like the stories where Gary shares how he actually applies things in his life, that's what really shifts. Well, not the only thing, but it has the most impact for me. Like when I heard yeah. how he handled that, that like, that gave me a whole new idea of how I could live my life. So I'm so excited to hear that you guys are going to do that because I, I think that that's, that's like why, like we want these things to be out, you know, cause we're, we consume so much media and it's all sort of status quo or like below, you know, it but, is. right. Eighth grade level. Yeah. Right. But let's like, let's raise everyone's idea of what is possible. Oh, that happened. Like that happened to you. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, mm -hmm. that's one thing I really like about coaching. I think I've told you this before that when I went to college, I wanted to be a psychology major. That was, I wanted to be a therapist. Everyone talked me out of it. Oh, you'll be depressed all the time. All you're going to do is problems. You won't make any money at that, blah, blah, blah. You're good at math, do engineering or something. So international finance is what I did. Hated every minute of it, hated it. But now it taught me a couple of things. One, I don't listen to other people anymore. <laughs> My, my peers, I do, but not parents and no, <laughs> no more. So I don't do that. But it also, if I had done that, I couldn't do coaching right now. The way that I do mm. is I coach several therapists, a couple of doctors that are actually, you know, doctors, they're, you know, psychiatry. And one of them said to me, this is so cool how you can tell me about your life. You can mm -hmm. say, and I can give detail. I, there's no limits on what I can talk about. So you have heard specific stories because they related to what you were talking about. And in between all the people I coach, every bit of my dirty laundry is out there. Everything I've ever really been through mm -hmm. from yesterday till, you know, from down to when I was a kid, it's helpful. People, it is, it's the only way I can coach someone is to say, okay, look, here's what happened to me. This is what I did. This is what happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Well, good. I'm excited. I think it will be really fun. Yeah. 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 It also yeah. makes you human, you know, which is nice to have. I mean, it's like, we want, we want like higher perspective, but not from like someone we view as a saint, I think, because then that's not attainable. We can't go there. You know? Well, it's not. And usually what happens is you find out they're not. No. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. that, and that was part of my fear of being well-known. I say fear of being famous. Mm. I understand I'm never going to be, you know, Jennifer Aniston, mm. but in, in a circle of people to be a, a spotlight makes me very nervous. And that's one of those reasons, because if I try to live up to any sort of image, right? If I say, I am not going to, these spiritual people are here, so I'm not going to smoke a cigarette, right? I'm not going to do, 
I'm going to pretend that I'm this when I spent years in a open marriage or what, you know, mm. eventually that's coming out mm. and that's when it's bad. That's how white light's been walking me through this. There's no image. Right? There's, there's no image. You just are who you are in the moment. You've done what you've done. You don't have anything to hide. Just be there that way. If someone comes after you for whatever reason, it'll be the best thing for you. It's fine. There's no reason to be afraid of it, but you also will be able to sleep at night because you will have no image for anyone to tear down, mm -hmm. right? You won't. The people that know you and love you know everything about you. The people you teach know everything that you could organically share without sending them a copy of your diary, right? That feels right to me because those, yeah. those sainthood things, man, those people, they come down every time just about, mm. yeah, because nobody can do that. You just, it's not real. It's not, it's not what this life is about either. I kind of, you know, I've pushed some envelopes, right? I've behaved poorly <laughs> many occasions. You know, so, and I think everybody has. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I yeah. want to uh, pretend. So, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. like, what you might think, I don't, well, norms are always changing, too. That's what that medieval sex thing reminded me of, too. It's like, nobody believes that, um, I don't know, you can't have sex past your 60s, which they did in medieval oh, they did? times. Yeah, like, it was bad for your health and your... And, or, or that like, I don't know, it's, it's just, it's so funny how things evolve. Like maybe nobody will be in monogamous relationships in a hundred years. And, you know, right. like the fact that you felt strange about that for a second would be like, what, you know, what? just like, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. That's it. It is interesting. It, that to me is one of those last sort of last frontiers in, I, I mean, I might be wrong. There's always something, you know, something new, but gender boundaries are being pushed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, drugs even are more acceptable. Marijuana is legal most mm -hmm. places. People talk about doing mushrooms and MDMA and heart opening. So it's just, it's more acceptable now. People don't mm -hmm. freak out and think you're a druggie if you've done mushrooms mm -hmm. or you know, whatever. But that idea of, marriage and that committed relationship that is so based in fear and control that it's insidious because we think it it's one of those blind spots mm -hmm. and it hit me even with the way I've been in my 25 years of marriage to Drew very open relationship and even then not too long ago, I realized I don't think that someone loves me unless they're in fear, which meaning I don't think that someone loves me unless they are afraid I'm going to leave hmm. or they're constantly doing things to, you know, want me to stay. Like, let me put a ring on your finger. Let me make it sign here because I'm going to make it really hard for you to get away from me if you want to. Right, I'm going to make mm -hmm. it really hard. You have to go through the legal system. You're going to have to give me half your money, right? All that stuff. Just 
for me to, for you to get away from me. And, and I've realized how much that feels like love to me Hmm. and that I don't think I love someone else unless I'm wanting to wanting them to say words like forever. Right. I'm wanting them to say, Oh, no, right. I'm not going to leave. Wait a minute. That's the, I think, well, I don't know everything, but I think that's the opposite of love. Maybe that's control. Yeah. Being able to say, you know, I love you. And I love every minute with you. And I think you're magnificent. And if you decide in an hour that you were taken off out the door, I absolutely bless you. I know there will be someone else and something else for me. And I would never want you to be somewhere a minute that you didn't want to be there and feel that. Uh, I've been working on it a lot, even given the relationships that, you know, that I, the way I've done them. So you mentioned that to someone, I mentioned it on a coaching call to a girl who was talking about texting an ex and, and it being inappropriate. And I just simply said, why? Mm -hmm. And the audible fear on that call of people that have a very high perspective and do this work, everybody was like, Christy, how could you sit? If it's obvious, she's married, right? How could you do that? Just, I didn't say she should do it or shouldn't. I just asked why it felt inappropriate to her. Yeah. That's the question. I think that's that last frontier of moving from fear and control into complete love and acceptance that as a society, we will likely get to. It doesn't mean people won't still commit in a way, but I think eventually for us to be there where it's this loving and accepting thing that that institution of signing a contract forever is going to have to not be there yeah you just that it's makes no sense well I mean it it evolved from a practice of ownership it wasn't a love (laughs) agreement so it's not you know, it, it, it's funny because we sort of like want to transform it into this like beautiful ceremony. Um, not that it can't be, I mean, you can yeah. make anything be beautiful, but like it's our origins are in, you know, the family owned the lady, the girl, and now mm-hmm. the husband owns the girl and the girl can't own anything herself. That's why she right. needs a man. The man dies. She owns nothing. She needs another man to own her. You yeah. know, it's like his brother has to marry her. Or, uh, yeah. Like what? It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. I looked up the definition one time of husband. Have you ever looked it up? No. Manager. <laughs> and then the following words are, particularly in a financial sense husband really like from from the origin of the word Mm -hmm. yeah so you've heard the term animal husbandry oh oh that oh my god i never put that's what that damn word comes from girl husbandry oh my god right right isn't that funny Wow, yeah. that is crazy. Yeah. And this is another thing. You're you are, I mean, certainly not my age, but approaching an age where the word boyfriend and girlfriend starts I to sound can't, like, I can't. Yeah, I won't let Juan call me his girlfriend. I'm like, what else partner. is it? Husband Par- and wife sounds nice, but right. partner 
Yeah, I know it's the only, but then- Well, partner's also kind of unclear. Like I didn't know forever if you and Gary were dating because you're also business partners. So I was like, like, wait, am I just misunderstanding this word? Right, I know. So that's if you said, if Juan walked up and you and I are at a party and I just met you and you said, this is my partner Juan, I would say- business partner like <laughs> right I, I would that would be my question and then you or my, answer, my lover you could say you you <laughs> would believe this stuff around here we've all gone through because everyone's like that chris is dating he's single crystal's single right and we're talking about it and coming up with the words we have had like milk coming out your nose laughter <laughs> hilarious coming up with words because it starts like that okay partner lover right then <laughs> uh old lady lady friend i mean we've I'm like oh and it gets worse i go no you know what you guys go back to boyfriend and girlfriend all these nice words are working at all but it makes these everyone sound like they're 15 it's terrible yeah yeah, yeah. it needs a new word yeah what's a french yeah. word you use the french words oh you know what's really funny is in french there's no distinction between friend and girlfriend or boyfriend Oh, really? Well, or you could say like my little friend, mon petit ami, ma petite amie, but it's, it's oh. still like diminutive and silly. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's, yeah, still goofy. Copain, copine, which is like a, like a childhood friend you would have, like you wouldn't really. Right. Huh. It doesn't feel adult. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. But I love that you won't let him call you girlfriend. I get it. It's such a weird thing. Actually, I, I don't care if he calls me girlfriend. I just don't want to call him boyfriend. He's it's that one's worse. weird. Yeah. Girlfriend seems to fit. It's okay. Right. Yeah. But to say that a 50, 45 year old guy is your boyfriend is right. utterly absurd. It just sounds yeah. absurd to me. Yeah. It's my judgment. That's my right. Well, you wouldn't call. I mean, we, we, we went through that whole thing where we didn't want, you know, your boss to call you girl, right. They, they, they have to call you a, a woman, you know, but right. still there's no, but you can't say a yeah, woman friend. I, I don't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Language, new, new words. Um, we haven't talked about your mediumship at all, which I feel like we should just, you know, mention you touch on that? before you leave. Yeah. Uh, what we have a bit i don't even know how long oh my lord yeah it's thin. i can talk to you at the time <laughs> our coaching calls are like that you said do you know after this and i looked down like oh my gosh um yeah so what would what can i tell you what would you like to know well you know the thing i'm kind of the most curious about is what is your sense of why it is so energetically taxing you know poor if i knew that is the million dollar question for me I have gotten one answer from white light that was this. When I go to read for someone and for them to be able to hear the message, one of my abilities, apparently, and we joke around about it around here, we call it purple power, is Mm -hmm. to, I don't ask me how I do it, I do not know, is that I can raise someone's perspective a bit right now I can't take them but I can lift it up and when I do a reading for typically the person I'm reading for to hear what's happening I have to hold them up or they just won't hear it okay and I do notice that if I read for someone who has a particularly high perspective right if I read for Gary um 
Chris Morrison I've read for. If I read for, you know, there's a handful of Joshua people that I've read for, I don't get a bit tired. Mm-hmm. I don't have to, I don't have mm-hmm. to, but I can't tell that I'm doing it or not doing it. I really can't oh, tell. Right. So I, d- I don't know. That's the only thing that, that I could tell you is, is that, but it is the second thing would be more physical, which is if you've ever watched any of them, have you, have mm-hmm. you seen how emotional yeah, yeah. it is? Well, they give me emotion. I have been told that what they do is give me a tiny little drop, like uh, from an eyedropper in a sense, it's a, it's a vibrational thing, certainly, but that's a description and this very little bit. And I get so overwhelmed with the emotion. I feel it. I mean, I can absolutely feel it. And even though the emotion is happy, it's it very rarely, is there anything in it? I felt, I've felt some apology in it, I guess twice but that's always explained. They don't feel that from there, but the person sitting there, they say it's, they, they need it. They need mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. but I can feel it so clearly that I can describe it. I can say it's, it's mostly love, a lot of knowing there's, they're proud of you, grateful for it. I can feel all these things in it. And that emotion, if you've ever been really upset and cried for even just an hour, you know, you just want to like your eyes feel puffy. You just want to lay down. Yeah. It feels like that. So Mm -hmm. that could be another one. That's, those are the only two ideas I have. No clue. And it's always been like that every time. It seems like it's fun for you, like meeting all these people. The, the dead people, the dead people. Mm -hmm. Oh, (laughs) are you kidding it's great. It, it, yeah, it is. It's so cool. It, I, I can't speak to anyone that I knew in life, even if I just met them or something, I can't get them in life, but, or I can't get them now, but some of them come in and are so, have so much personality are so flamboyant. It's an absolute blast. It's a blast. It's really fun when I'm reading for someone that I like a friend or someone I love. That's awesome because I don't nec- I don't know these people typically, right? At all. And a lot of times they haven't told me anything about that part of their life. It's just not something we do. You haven't sat and told me all about, you know, people that you knew that were you know, they're dead now. Right, right. So that's fun. And to get the little nuances, secrets, or some things that they'll tell me. It's yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. And I've met some, I've had some famous ones too, which has been cool. I had uh David Bowie. Gary was telling me about that. Did he? And yeah, um, Williams and Chris Farley. I've spoken to all three of them. And oh, and Tom Petty. And mm-hmm. I can't um I can't tell you, but any any more than this, I feel like I know them so much so that. If you were to ask me my immediate, if you said, oh, Christy, have you ever met Tom Petty? I would tell you, yes. It would have to be, oh, but I mean, the caveat is he's he was already dead, right? <laughs> They're so clear and poignant and the the questions that, you know, Gary will ask or whoever happens to be there that I get answers to, I mean, at a specific address, their childhood address, and these people all have to go looking it up. It's really funny. I feel like I know them. 
I honestly feel like Tom Petty is a friend of mine. <laughs> really not, but in my mind, he is. I love that. <laughs> I guess great. he is in like a more authentic sense, right? It's like, yeah, you know. I, it was, yeah. So it really feels like that. Like I know them and are these, do you think these are people that come to you because what they have to say is particularly interesting to you? Or like, do you have a particular affinity for them as entertainers? Like, why do you no. think it's those people? No, not at all. No. Uh, no. I, you know, I thought Chris Farley was funny. I would never say somebody would have to mention him and I would go, oh yeah, that guy, he was funny. Yeah. That's it. Um, Tom Petty. I was not a Tom Petty fan, but there are very few of his songs that I would say, oh, I don't like that song, Change the Station, but it's just very medium. David Bowie, no real interest there at all, but I used some of his songs when I worked in television. Robin Williams, I loved, mm -hmm. for sure. I don't know exactly, it's triggered by certain things. Number one, always the person that I'm reading for, right? The person that's coming, you know, is pulling it, right? They pull it from me. And that's one way. The David Bowie, we were with a group of people here at the house. Everybody was picking up their wine glasses and stuff to go out on the porch. You've been here. So, you know, we're in the kitchen and the TV was on and David Bowie was up there. And Gary just said, hey, David Bowie and I have the same birthday. And I said, no, you're kidding. That's cool. We're all here. Uh -huh. I'll go outside. Didn't think a thing about it. We're just, I mean, none of us ever moved. We were just sitting out there, hanging out, talking. And I, there he was. So why I'm not, you know, I don't know. I'm not, I have no idea. Yeah. And the Tom Petty and Chris Farley, Gary and I had been having a conversation that maybe an hour before about all the very talented people that died pretty young. I don't know why. Was, oh, you remember Amy Winehouse? And, and he said something and I was like, oh, uh, Chris Farley. He said, yeah, yeah, Tommy boy. He's the guy, Chris Farley. And then I said, and, you know, Tom Petty just died not too long ago. That was weird. Right? And that was it. And then we on to another topic. And an hour or two later, we are sitting outside and I'm like, there they are. Right. So I, I don't know. I have no clue how it seems so random. That's why I was afraid to do readings for a while after it was coming in, because I said, I can't call on them. Somebody could get in front of me on the computer and I could be going, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I have one thing that I think really gave me a ton of confidence, an interesting story. So I don't think you know it. A guy in our Joshua community, Jerry, you know, Jerry? Mm -hmm. From the calls, yeah. Yeah. So one day, Jerry calls me on the phone. I've never talked to him, never met him. And he explains that he has some friends whose son recently passed away and he wanted to talk to me about it. And he tells me this story. The story is that the kid is 14 was, and that his name was Peter hmm. and that he committed suicide. And I said, stop. If the guy is going to commit, you can't tell me information about him. That makes, clogs me up. And he said, Oh, I'm sorry. So I said, I don't feel comfortable with a family who's lost a child. And that was early on when I still felt like a lot of responsibility. Like what if the message I'm, what if I don't hear it right? What if I don't get it right? I mean, this is their family and they're trusting me. This is their mm -hmm. kid. 
What if I say blue and what he's really trying to say is brown? I could really screw them up. And I, it just, I, it was too much. I, I really, it was so much responsibility to me at first that I was completely self-imposed. I, I had a lot of that. And so it was hard to do those readings a lot at first, but. So Jerry tells me there's an ice, I stop him. You can't do that because it'll mess me up. I start doubting if, if I know too much that I think, uh, you know, it just makes a mess of it. So I said, let's think about it. You tell your friends, I'll think about it over the weekend. And if they want to do it, call me Monday. I will make my decision. And so he said, that's fair. So that was on a Friday, I think. And that Friday night late, I'm walking around and I get like, oh boy. And I told her, I was like, I have an energy here. It's like a teenage boy. And I said, I bet you anything. It's Jerry's, you know, friend's kid, Peter. And so I talk, start talking to him and I said, you know, come on in, come on. They're very polite. They don't just like jump in on me. They sort of, you know, I can feel them. And typically the first thing I can feel is gender and age approximate. I don't know why. But huh. I just can feel that. So I said, you can come in, come in, come in. So um, I said, are you Jerry's friend's son, Peter? And he says, no, my name is Pierce. And I said, oh, okay, so you're, okay, all right, so you're not, you know, you're not Peter. And I and I'm thinking, I don't know any other teenage boys that would have passed on at all, like her friends, you know, anything. So I said, so you're not, you're not Jerry's friends, the the fourteen year olds that committed suicide, and they get this like stomp of the foot. I'm fifteen and a half. <laughs> like okay okay Pierce 15 and a half so I'm like it's not it's not Jerry's friend and wow so he gives me some other things mountain biking and, and some you know very interesting you know a little story and some other things and I'm like get this right so I let it go and it's okay well I hear you and I'm sure I'll, if if there's somebody that you want to contact you just have to let me know what it is but I wasn't really getting that and so I called Jerry the next morning and I said, look, it, you know, I, I know you said, you know, whatever, Peter and 14, but I had, you know, a teenager, a boy, hours after I talked to you that said this, that said he's Pierce and he's 15 and a half. And, and then I gave him a bunch of other bits of information. And Jerry says to me, I could have killed Jerry, by the way, but he says, oh, well, you know what? She's really my wife's friends. You mind if I get her on the line and see what, if any of this makes sense to her? At the time, I'm still not thinking, right? There's no way a, a kid just killed themselves and Jer Jerry doesn't know his age or his name, right? But as it turns out, his wife, Gretchen, who I have now become very close with from this I've never met her before, <laughs> but since this we are really close with her, she gets on the phone and Jerry says, this is Christy, I've told you about her. And she had something happen last night. She got a little something, but it doesn't match what I've, and he said, in fact, Christy, go ahead and tell her what you just told me. So I said, Jerry said, Peter, 14 and I have 14. And I got, and I told her the story I just told you. And then he mountain bikes, mountain biking and, and a few other things. And she said, silent. And I'm still nervous. I'm not, 
you know, a professional medium at this time. And I'm still thinking I could be crazy. I don't know. And she finally, I hear her like, you hear somebody sobbing on the phone. Mm. She's sobbing and she couldn't even talk. And she said, Oh my God, that's him. And she said, Jerry, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> and he said, What? And she said, His name is Pearson and he was 15 and a half. Oh my God. And so even with all the wrong information, I'm still getting it. That's that's why I think if you don't, if you're not close to me and you don't know the stories, the people that are really close to me are like, you're you're insane. Like it's crazy. It's so and I've been a lot like this. So I ended up getting on the phone with his whole family, his three brothers, two or three brothers, three, I think, mother, father, and his twin sister. I went through, you know, a whole hour, hour and a half with him. I had, you know, his personality. I had some things that had happened at his funeral that he was telling me, telling them. It was crazy. It was really funny. So um, that's one of many. So there you go. There's your, there's your cliffhanger ending. (laughs) Thank you for, yeah. Thank you for for sharing that again. Cause I was like, oh, we can't end it before we hear the end of that story. We got disconnected. Um, That was, that's almost, it seems like it's almost more convincing though for the family. Like you had the wrong information and you were able to actually find his actual name and his actual age without someone telling you. So they were totally in once, I mean, once Gretchen called the mother who is one of Gretchen's dear friends and said, look, Jerry called that medium and he said, told the medium that it was a friend and the kid's name was Peter and he was 14. And she called us and said the only, you know, that she had a child come in, but Pierce, well, it, it was interesting because the mom said to me later that she had always told him um, when he, you know, got turned 18 or became a grown up man that she was going to start calling him Pierce instead of Pearson. Oh. And he, the name he gave me was Pierce. And that was really poignant for the mom. She was like, there's a reason he said Pierce. And, you know, so yeah. Oh yeah. I think it helped them a lot. Um, Yeah, it did. So I talked to the mom a couple of times after that um, with some other questions she had and it it was pretty interesting. And I think it changed their, changed their life quite a bit. And they still miss him, you know, I'm still gone, but I do think it helped. And that's nice. That's not really usually what I get is that kind of soothing stuff, right? Mm. Most people don't lose a child. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really like that. So uh, what, what was, if anything, what did you get as like a takeaway in terms of, you know, how we view suicide and like what this person's, I don't know, trajectory Uh, was, or. I would tell you that my attitude is like this. If somebody said, I want to commit suicide, um, I would say, sure. Yeah. So you want to do it? Go ahead. I, I don't, it wouldn't even, I don't think anything about it. Mm-hmm. He had lived, um, enough of a life. He, he said it was a full life. It was what he intended. Mm-hmm. He, you know, said his twin sister, they, that the reason she felt guilty was that she did know. And what she was saying was, you know, I should have known, I should have known, right? We're really close. Mm. And he said, you didn't consciously know, but the reason you feel guilty is that you did know. It was a plan we had mm. and I fulfilled mm. it. And so did you. 
and there's nothing to feel guilty at. I'm right here. I haven't left. I'm showing you guys I haven't left. So I don't think I have a completely different view on death now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyone that I've talked to, I talked to one girl who I still don't know why, uh, other than she said I was the closest contact she could that might run into her sons, but she uh, had been murdered and she showed me where her body was. In, wow. Like, you know, walk me there or whatever. Drew and I got on Google Earth and we are pretty sure we found it, but. I couldn't deal with it. It was too much for yeah. me. I was like, I can't. But it was, I asked her, do you want me to go, you know, to the police? And she said, no, 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 it doesn't matter at all. But in case they want it, in case, you know, you find that they want to know or you run into one of my children, um, just tell them that this is it. But I asked her what happened. And she said, oh, I don't know. She was already walking <laughs> away from it before she ever felt anything. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, I just think it's um, every death is a suicide to some extent. White Light has told me before that if I tried to commit suicide, I think um, Joshua has even said this to Gary before, too. You could go try and commit suicide right now. If it's not your day, you will not be able to do it. Mm. <laughs> so, you can't go before you're supposed to, and you are not going to be here one second after, you know, the time that that's it. And there's yeah. a moment. Yeah. And that's, that's the one. And it, you have options through your life to say, you know, oh, I think, you know, you, I think I'm ready now and you can go and that will be arranged. But it's, it's really, you know, it's really picked. And then it's as people go, like some of their resistance or say they don't, they really want time for their family to get used to the idea. So they'll get an illness, a long illness. Hmm. Mm. rather than just getting hit by a bus yeah or you know they think it's better for you know they don't want to put burden on their family they don't want to do whatever so they'll you know have a car wreck whatever it's just really you know it seems i sound like i think it's conscious i don't <laughs> but yeah but i have no i don't even when someone dies at 10 the thing that kind of i feel is the parents right that yeah i understand how that would be so hard but as far as oh their life was cut short i don't feel that at all because i've talked to them i've talked to two 15 year olds right right and they both they don't feel any different leaving at 15 than the people that live at 90 and they'll they will say that to me i didn't not at 15 was that was a full life to me right that's fine that's what i wanted i was done okay yeah <laughs> wow Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I could talk for a lot longer, but I imagine that that you need to go. And also I have no idea if this works. So I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, let me know. Yeah, yeah. Didn't, we'll do it again. I, yeah. Yeah, I love talking to you. So um, um fun. Thanks for um, thank you. Me. I love it. All right. Um, I saw you on, I think I had you on the schedule and then I think you oh yeah 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 no I I canceled it for now I'll I'll reschedule I was okay, just all right. the all with right, the uh, with the new two week thing that that we have I was just like I think there's just a lot going on <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Totally use your 
you know, shook out. So yeah. That was, that was a crazy story. Yeah, I'm definitely still, <laughs> definitely still integrating and, well, I don't know, integrating or processing, I'm not sure, but yeah, anyway. Uh, uh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's so fun. I love you. So fun. Um, love you too. After two months, over. Okay. Have, oh yeah, have a great time. Bye. Okay, wait, before you go, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to it on YouTube, you can just leave a comment there. Make sure to subscribe. This really, really helps the algorithm uh, know that you are enjoying it and allows other people to find us. So we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll see you in the next episode.